the Touchy Subjects podcast. My name is Aaron Billings and I am your host. On this bonus episode, I interviewed Brad Klossman, a religious trauma life coach that was a pastor for over 20 years and knows the struggles that someone will face before and after deconstruction. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Okay, so today we have Brad Klossman with us, and we're going to do an interview with him. This is a bonus episode, so I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this all day. Brad, welcome to the Touchy Subjects podcast. How, uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure, that's great. I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful to be here. Um, uh, my name is Brad. I am a life coach. Uh, I deal specifically with uh, religious trauma. Um, and church hurt, believe it or not. So, and helping people navigate deconstructing uh, their faith um, to the point to where they find a place to where they feel at peace um, with the faith that they still have at the end of it. Yes, I, I love that. Um, so what is your history with the church? Um, born and raised in the church. Um, did the uh, ask Jesus into my heart at the age of eight. Uh, uh, was called into ministry shortly after that, uh, was raised in a Christian school um, uh, up until about seventh grade, then back for my senior year. Um, my history is in Southern Baptist slash okay. brother. So uh, very conservative, you know, the whole inerrancy thing and um, all of the baggage that goes with that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, went to Bible college down in Florida, uh, okay. got degree in biblical studies, uh, and then went to seminary, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and got my master's in Christian education. Okay. And I've been a pastor up until three years ago for 20 plus years. Wow. So um, I've recently come out of the church setting. Okay. So you've come out of the church setting, assuming that you have deconstructed. Uh, where do you kind of land now on the deconstruction spectrum? Ah, very good. Uh, first, it was a lot of anger <laughs> um, and, and uh, Then there was church hurt, if you want to call it that, because my daughter came out as bi, um, which didn't sit well with the church I was at, obviously. Okay. Um, and kind of, you know, in a roundabout way, it got to the point where it made me choose between my daughter or the church. And oh. I chose my daughter. That was an easy one for me actually. Um, yes. I started deconstructing about seven years before I left the church on key okay. topics and issues. Um, and so when that final straw hit, um, I, I walked out and started a whole new life. Um, started over. Well, that's to be commended because not every pastor would choose their family over their church. Yeah. That's sad to me. You know, it, I mean, that, it is sad, but it's, that's uh, an unfortunate reality. Uh, so one question I want to ask you, because you you brought up church hurt. Um, I think that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think that everybody has a little bit of church hurt. If you've been involved in a church in any way, shape, form, or fashion, you've experienced church hurt. But what is the difference between church hurt and religious trauma? And, and that's an outstanding question. Um, church hurt, um, to me, um, has more to deal with the way uh, um, 
the so-called body of Christ, if you want to call it that, um, deals with situations and people. Um, hurt by a church is usually hurt by the people. Religious trauma is hurt by the uh, religious institution or doctrines. Um, you know, um, uh, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, all of those cause trauma. Um, you can experience a trauma within the church and then how the church handles it can really bring about church hurt, if you will. At least that's the way my mind thinks of it. No, I think that's an excellent distinction. I, d I wouldn't have thought of it that way, but that's, that's accurate. Um, so you, you, like you said, the tr religious trauma, that's more stemming from the actual institution. Um, so what are some of the most common issues that you've seen with people? Uh, the people I talked with, um, as well as the people I've experienced when I was in the church, um, a lot of it is the um, spiritual abuse, um, number one, um, the lording of power mm -hmm. uh, over people, um, the church trying to take back a little bit of what it lost at the, uh, uh, the Reformation, in the sense the church was the power and the Bible became the power. Um, after the Reformation. So it's kind of like church is always grappling with that power and it causes spiritual abuse. Um, at the same time, though, a, a really, really hurtful part is the physical abuse that takes place within church. Um, I recently had a friend that reached out to me um, that was physically abused by a assistant principal connected to a church. And I, we both went to class. We went to school together. Um, so I knew this guy, uh, and in the way in which they, they hid behind things and didn't give the full story instead, what they do is they, they cause the church hurt, which is they blame it on the victim, um, and the way they handle things. And, and so the, the trauma is, is largely caused by, you know, the, um, emotional, difficulties or struggles that someone will have based upon doctrines and other things like that. Um, case in point, my daughter with coming out as bi, well, suddenly people were trying to fix her. Mm -hmm. um, she's broken. And so let's go ahead and fix her and, and, and get her right with God again. Um, and I don't think that the, the church nor the doctrines that the people hold to really um, understand the trauma that are causing a younger generation. Uh, purity culture is another one um, that, that literally it, it plays with unformed minds, uh, brains that are still forming and, and really um, distorts them and they have a hard time later in life. And so when they're constructing it, that's what I, I face a lot of. No, that's, I mean, my story, which I haven't shared a whole lot of my story on the podcast so far, but I can see where different things happened that have caused trauma way early in my development. And I didn't realize it at the time, but now that I'm kind of deconstructing, I'm starting to realize, oh, that stems from church. That stems from having you know, being in a pastor's family that stems yeah. from, 
you know, and the thing is, is not every pastor is bad. I know that I have a ton of pastors in my family and I love every single one of them. So this is not a thing against pastors, but I do think that the institution is what needs to be fixed. Um, Right. And so I guess my question and this, uh, this just came to me, so this is not on our list of questions. But what would you advise church leaders? Like, are there any systems or is there any kind of protocols, boundaries that can be put in place so that we can avoid religious trauma? Oh, well, that is the million-dollar question. Uh, exactly. Um, and, and to be honest with you, if we put boundaries in place, I don't know how many would actually adhere to it. But um, uh, putting boundaries in place, I, I think there needs to be a change perspective. Uh, let's take the Southern Baptist Convention, for example. Um, there needs to be a change in perspective on um, how they deal with um, transparency mm-hmm. uh, within the church. Uh, for too long, I think the general idea is the church will do everything they can to hide what they've done wrong or what the people in power have done wrong, that there needs to be more accountability in that area. Um, The problem is, is because every church is made up of people. (laughs) Um, Even if you try to enforce those, those boundaries, I don't know how you do it. Um, I, I, because it, it doesn't quite work that way. They put out the gospel faith and message and they said, these are our beliefs and our, you know, what we hold to, but as far as boundaries, they don't, they don't control what exactly goes on in the church. It's almost like they're a separate entity. Uh, I wish there was a simple answer to that question. I really do. And if I could think of an answer, I'd, I'd put it in a book and, and market right. it. <laughs> you know? No, it's, it's weird because I mean, like you said, I've in my own career, I, I've worked in churches of all sizes and I tried to put some boundaries in place because being the only female on like the creative team, I was with a group of men and they talk locker room conversations. And so I tried to put boundaries in place. I went to the pastor and I said, you know, can we please just keep it appropriate? Like, can I felt like this was inappropriate. Can we just try to, stick to some boundaries. And then they victim blamed me and they put it back on me. And what they don't understand is that it's victim blaming, but it's a little bit of gaslighting. It's, it's all of these different things. And that is abuse. Yes. Yes. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And unfortunately it is a situation I've seen recently. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the churches I came out of, um, an admin, uh, the executive pastor had, had compared her her breast to like a a, a ball, a certain mm-hmm. size ball. And long story short, the elders got involved over something else that also was tied into that, and she ended up leaving the church, and he didn't get anything done. Um, you know, I, I was dumbfounded, man. So that was also one of the other catalysts where I walked out. I was like, okay, I can't. I can't, I can't deal with this. This is just, this is completely wrong. So unfortunately, especially because females are usually not put in a place of prominence within the church because of right. their own doctrine rules, um, the men have the run 
and their conversations, um, what they do, it's decided by men. And, and unfortunately, women do not get the respect um, that they deserve. I can tell you from my own personal experience that that is absolute truth. Um, and even with the institution, whenever I w- reported things it, like to the higher part of the institution, to like the district council, district superintendent, that was where they came back at me and were like, this is a non-issue. The thing is, is that if you are trying to report a pastor of a certain status because they bring in the money, they bring yep. in the power, they hold the power. And mm-hmm. there are some definite power struggles, like you said, in the church. And, you know, what they're not realizing is that they are hurting people, like doing significant damage. And, you know, I've had to go through a healing process. I, I'm not going to say that I'm there and I've arrived, but I've had to do some significant inner work to heal up from all of the different things I experienced. What are some best practices for finding healing that you can share with our audience? Well, I mean, I, I think that there's a couple in dealing with people, um, uh, that come to me as a life coach. There are a couple areas in which they're incredibly hurt or, you know, they're experiencing trauma or hurt. Um, I think first and foremost, the first healing thing you need to do is, is find a counselor. Mm. Uh, I really, I, I can't stress that enough. People come to me and it's like, Hey, can you do this? And a lot of times I'll look at them and go, Hey, that's, that's something for a professional counselor. And so I have a list of people that I recommend that they can go see. And I would find someone that is a, a secular counselor mm-hmm. that has no, no sway either way. Um, because I found that going through Christian counseling, there's always kind of an agenda, whether or not they mean it, mm-hmm. um, telling the victim they need to forgive, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's a whole different arena. And so I'd find that. And then I'd find, um, or start to build a new community. I, I think community brings healing. Um, I found new communities online, whether it's Facebook, religious trauma groups. I found community in Instagram, which is easy because you just pound deconstruction <laughs> and all these people pop up, you know, I mean, or hashtag. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I would, I would do that. And then finally I would start to read and journal, um, journal the process. Uh, and so when healing takes place, the, the knee jerk reaction is to throw, as I've said, the baby out with the bathwater, right. it's to burn everything down. Um, that's not, I, I don't think that's healthy. Uh, I, I think that you take kind of one thing or two things at a time and work through those things slowly. Okay. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Um, you're seeing a counselor, you can see a, a life coach as well. That's just merely coming alongside, encouraging you in the process and supporting the counselor. Um, you build new people that, that don't have any understanding of you in church. Um, you build those new friendships. Um, that's kind of the stage I'm in because I literally lost just about everybody, including family members when I left. Um, and so, uh, you start to slowly build those things, but the key word is slow. Healing is slow. It's not fast. And so you need to take that time 
to slowly deconstruct certain aspects and see what is left of the faith apart from church, apart from, um, you know, the, the structure, religious structures that are in place. What is it that resonates with you? Um, you know, uh, I mean, so, I mean, I think those are, those are a few things that I would do in a way of finding healing. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously you've got the things like meditation, Mm-hmm. Um, another one to help calm your spirit and calm your soul. Uh, breathing work mm-hmm. is huge. I, I teach, um, my, my people or the people that come to me for coaching, how to train their breathing. Um, and there's a certain process you do where it literally, you can feel every muscle in your body relax by saying one word and it's a muscle memory. Hmm. And so you breathe in, and when you slowly breathe out, you say that word. And if you've done this twice a day, literally you can feel all your muscles relax so that your stress goes away. I think breathing works incredibly important um, to deal with stress. So those are a few things that I I, I think are important. And then finally, there's always the, hey, physical exercise or walking or do something in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, You still see the wonder. You know, um, I think, you know, you've got to work on yourself because the misconception is that religious trauma or somebody deconstructing, it's all about the doctrines. You know, it's all about the church hurt. Um, Those things affect every aspect of your life. And so you have to focus. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your parenting. It'll affect your friendships. All those areas suddenly are up for grabs when this takes place. Yeah. And, and your view on them is different. So you have to deconstruct slowly through those things. That's excellent advice. Uh, I'm going to be taking that in myself. Um, so, you know, we kind of touched on, do you think people have to give up religion completely to find peace? Or is there a, what, what is a way to keep some of that intact? Uh, you know, I, obviously, I don't believe you have to give up everything I, um, at all. Uh, once again, I think there are certain things that um, because of triggers and whatever have you, you're you're going to give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really what you're looking for is that truth to you. Um, you're looking for that peace. You're looking for that uh, that spirituality that speaks to you. And I know that's kind of broad, but I'm finding with everybody I talk to, there, there, it, it is broad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some people I talk to um, embrace Jesus wholly and still, um, which is great, and, and see him still as the Savior. Uh, but they don't believe in the virgin birth. You know? Uh, yeah, I know. It's strange. It's, it's, it's a strange walk. Um, some people obviously don't believe in Noah's Ark, um, or, you know, it was just a story to teach Jewish children, you know, about the power of God. You know, I mean, and so they, they kind of, they take away pieces that were like that purity culture. Um, they say, let me remove that from my brain if I can. Um, and let me find a God that embraces my sexuality and has, has made me this way, you know? And so their view on God shifts and changes based upon their past experiences and then their own readings and, and 
counseling and study, but I've never met anyone that lands in the same spot. It's, it's, it's really fascinating uh, to me because although I make kind of cock my head and go, oh, that's interesting. I don't know how you get there, you mm-hmm. know, um, but that's okay. Right. You know, that, that's fine. Um, there's no judgment there. Uh, so uh, the way you hold on to your spirituality is, is is much like you go one step at a time. Um, you break it down. Uh, you, you, you really kind of read and study and analyze and remember the experiences you did have, you know, um, cause I don't know if those necessarily become invalid, you know, uh, if you had some mystical experience or anything like that and, and you take what you still believe in and then understand that it's probably going to change your whole life that, that to reconstruct something um, is just asking for it to kind of be torn down again. Mm. Um, that they're, you're growing in the process. And so with that growth, your perception of things, your, your learning and everything will, will change over time as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, you mentioned read and study. Are there any books or podcasts out there that you would recommend for people to listen to when they're deconstructing? Uh, well, I am a, um, <laughs> that's funny, uh, podcasts. I, I do have a few, um, that I've enjoyed, um, listening to like Holy Heretics on Instagram, um, is one that I enjoy. Yours is one I enjoy, um, as well, obviously, um, I started following you. Um, uh, there's another one that's coming out. It's more of a page, the informal mystic. I was talking with her this morning on IG live. Um, and I love the way she frames things and still encourages people to keep some sort of faith or, or journey. Okay. Um, so that's really neat. Um, and then, um, I, I think as far as books now I'm, for me, my deconstruction process, um, uh, was a lot more diving into the manuscripts. Okay. Uh, that was me. The it scrolls. was, Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. I wanted the Hebrew, the Greek, you know, I had taken two years of Greek, but I wanted to, I wanted to know how everything was put together. The stuff that I wasn't told. Wow. And simple. Right. And so I started reading Ehrman and, 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 um, and all these people that dealt with it and studying, um, those things and, and walked away like, wow, I no wonder why they didn't tell me this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> You know, this is a conversation we should have had a long time ago. And so that was my deconstruction process is reading. Um, and I spent the first year and a half just reading um, and studying and coming to my own faith conclusions and journeys um, as well. That's awesome. Being that you went to seminary, that makes so much logical sense to immediately go to the Greek and the Hebrew to kind of find out what did I miss? Like, that's that's impressive to me. Um, so, yeah, it was important to me because um, especially when I, I, I was studying the topic of homosexuality yeah. and my daughter. And so I was like, hey, do I have this understanding correctly? Um, and, uh, have any words been added, taken away, written in the margins of the manuscript, which they had, wow. you know, stuff like that. And, and you kind of, you kind of look at it and go, 
okay, yeah, I, I, yeah, my, my view changed on that. Not just because my daughter came out, you know, as bi, but, but because I actually started really going deeper into it instead of just saying, Hey, okay. Yeah. This word appeared like in 1950s for the first time in the manuscript. Um, so what was it before? And, what words were there? It's like dealing with hell, where the word eternal in the Greek is actually not eternal. It's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, damnation. And the way Jews looked at it and everything. So, I mean, it's just, I go down a rabbit hole here. So I oh, apologize. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm fascinated, too. So, And I'm sure that everybody listening, like, it, it makes you just want to go study up some more, um, yeah. which... That's that's the whole point that I'm trying to make with this podcast is you have to find your own journey, whether you land as an atheist, an agnostic or in another religion, or if you keep your faith as a Christian, which that's my route as of right now. But we all have to like, as my mother would say, you can't ride your parents coattails to heaven. You got to figure it out on your own. Wise words. <laughs> it's well, true. If you know Marsha, you know she's full of them. But <laughs> but uh, neither here nor there. I went down my own rabbit hole. So how can people get a hold of you? Because your services are so needed for us deconstructors out there. How can people uh, get in touch with you? Okay. Uh, the easiest, there are two easy ways. Um, first and foremost, my Instagram account, brad.lifecoach. Um, very simple. Um, anybody can DM me there. Um, talk to me. I'm always on. So that's one way. The other way is uh, coachingwithbrad.org is my website. And attached to the website is my blog, uh, as well as obviously the services I provide. So those are the two easy ways. to say thank you to coach brad our guest from this special bonus episode for all of your wisdom and guidance on this touchy subject you can find brad on instagram at brad.lifecoach or on his website www.coachingwithbrad.org and i'd like to say thank you out there listening to the podcast make sure you leave a review like and subscribe to the touchy subjects podcast on apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts Thank you for listening. Have a good one.